Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's Loki. All I know is I got pruned, I woke up here, and now I'm surrounded by variants of myself. Plus, an alligator, which I'm heartbroken to report, I didn't even find all that strange. Loki, Loki, and Loki to Watch Club. My name is Loki, and in this week's episode of Loki, titled Journey into Mystery, we see Loki meet even more Lokis and team up with some lost friends to fight a giant cloud and escape the void. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU, uh, so if you haven't watched this week's episode, be sure to do so and then come right back in a snap. Now, before we all Loki, let me Loki you to my wonderful group of Lokis we have joining us on the show today. First up, he's a Loki, but he's he's the kind of Loki who's low-key, too cool for school, while staying stylish and editing his own Nexus event. He's Justin Loki. <laughs> Editing my own Nexus event. Yeah, I would I would want to take control of my own Nexus event, 100%. <laughs> right? Um, and he's been killing Lokis for what feels like an eternity. And while he's certainly a king in our sacred timeline, to you variants, he's just the lovable Kevin Hudson Loki. Woo, how we doing, geeks? Doing Let me tell you, good. I'm hungrier than Elioth right now. Ooh! <laughs> Hungry for answers, might be. Um, all right, uh, and, and listen... Because we can't get enough Lokis in this episode, we have yet another Loki joining us on the show. Uh, he's the delightfully distinguished, deviously distrustful, and dank devil, Darcy Hudson Loki. Yeah, that's me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> How are you all doing tonight, you you bunch of Lokis? We might have to put a ban on the word Loki and we'll be admitted yeah. into a very <laughs> Loki-heavy episode. <laughs> it's a noun, it's a verb, it's a name. It's too many things, man. I, I can't follow anything like that. Well, I'm, listen, Darcy, I'm happy to have you on for this uh, Easter egg and Loki-filled episode. Uh, of course, if any of our listeners uh, who also listen to our Star Wars The Bad Batch Watch Club, uh, you know, if they listen to that stuff as well, then they already know you. They're pretty familiar with you. But for those variants tuning in who maybe haven't heard your voice, uh, who are you and what's your favorite thing about Marvel? Uh, well, I'm uh, Kev's younger brother. Uh, big fan of anything nerdy, thanks to him. Uh, growing up with him really influenced my love of the geek culture. I kind of a bit harder, though. Uh, I love Marvel, mainly the comics. Uh, it's something I've always been in, into. And what I love about the Marvel Cinematic Universe seems to be the direction they're taking it, going to places that I never thought I'd be able to see some of my favorite stories brought to the screen. So it's, it's a really exciting time to be a comic fan, that's for sure. Absolutely, dude. And I love that, I love that sentiment, right? The idea yeah. of seeing something you never thought you'd be able to see on screen mm -hmm. translated from a comic book, right? And, you mm -hmm. know, we're, we're also a bunch of big, huge Star Wars fans, but those didn't necessarily start as comic books. They eventually became Came comic that, books, yeah. and then maybe they start pulling from that stuff. But, but yeah, I, lo I, love that. I, I love that idea. Very mm -hmm. cool. Um, listen, before we dive into, to, into everything, uh, we actually have a writing question uh, from uh, a friend of the show, JR from Toronto, who writes into the show and asks, with so many different Loki variants showing up in this episode, what would your variant be? Uh, Justin, let's start with you. What would your variant be? What would variant Justin be? Oh, Another God. Justin. <laughs> I don't know. Probably everything I'm 
bad at, I'd be good at. I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I, I feel <laughs> See, like I think I think like because you're you're so like, listen, if anybody's ever traveled with Justin while he's trying to edit something, he stays up all <laughs> freaking night editing a 15 second video <laughs> so i think this i think variant loki would be you know uh, sorry variant uh, justin would be a justin who like he's haphazardly posting stuff all the time yeah. it's like it's spelled incorrectly oh no that's actually that kind happens. of on par that with happens. no that's just <laughs> happening yeah so everything would be flawless grammar flawless grammar amazingly but like just not utilizing those skills at all <laughs> yeah I, I i could see that i i, like I feel that. like the variant of 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 nate would be the one that didn't spend money and that, <laughs> that didn't that didn't look at something and be like "Ooh, i want that yeah. he'd be like no i'm yeah. gonna be responsible i'm not yeah. gonna buy that he'd have a lot he'd have a lot of money and a lot less debt for sure for sure uh darcy what's your variant all about oh well, i think i'm gonna go the direction that the loki show seems to be going and that they're not all that different i feel like i'd be get along with my variant he'd probably be maybe as laid back as me maybe you have shorter hair um, yeah, yeah. That, I see him having like a mohawk or something. Yeah, so yeah, so be a bit uh, more creative. I'm kind of just lazy yeah. and let it grow. <laughs> there you go. I love that, Kevin. What about yourself, buddy? Um, uh, knowing my luck, my variant um, would be uh, the only difference would be they'd be a, a fan of sports teams from a city that actually wins something. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's so awesome. I'd be you just get along. bitterly jealous of this. Yeah, this yeah. <laughs> variant, Kev. <laughs> And I think you said I think you said in our previous episode that if it was a woman you'd you'd totally go for her. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. As long as she uh, had my figure. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Full. I can I can see it now. Um okay, well listen, um thank you so much, JR, for for writing into the show. And as far as how you can write in the show, well, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um listen, as we like to do in Watch Club, we want to go through uh the plot section by section, but just before we kind of dive into the plot um, and, you know, and, and go over everything, um, you know, trap our listeners in a void of our memories, if you will. Uh, let's start with a brief overview of your high level thoughts on this week's episode. And Darcy, because you're joining us for at least this watch club for the first time, can you also give us your thoughts on the series so far? Uh, okay. Uh, I, again, saying, being a huge fan of the comics, this Easter egg filled uh, extravaganza is just pure candy for me i was freaking out in my seat the entire time every time something <laughs> popped up on the screen yeah uh so i really enjoyed the episode and i've been enjoying the series as a whole so far i like how they're been dropping like hints to everything as you go along the mystery is constantly changing and evolving so you think you know what's going on but then you don't and it's that i'm totally on board for that can't wait to see where it ends very cool i feel like that's been all the marvel series so far where we're like oh we totally know what's gonna happen we totally know what's gonna happen and then they they kind of do, but especially uh, with uh, Mephisto. Justin, <laughs> what about yourself? What did you think of this episode? Well, yeah, this episode was like an Easter hunt, man. Like mm -hmm. it, it was a total trip to just kind of like look and find all these different little nods to comics, nods to to past MCU things. Um, it was it was great. It felt very part one to a part yeah. two. So, you know, especially with what's going on and, and how the episode ends and so on. So um, for a penultimate, it, it definitely has, you know, set the stakes of, of what the season finale needs to kind of close out, wrap up um, and what it's what it hopefully will give us, which, again, I think in, in classic Marvel fashion won't be all the answers. Right. It'll just right. be a couple a couple answers here and there. And. <laughs> 
you know, we'll we'll see. So if if that, who knows? Maybe they won't even give us answers, right? So. Kev's Kev's given the eyes. That's, I think that's where he's going. Kev, what do you I'm think? I'm all Kev's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, uh, yeah. If they don't deliver here, I think there's almost been a bit too much teasing over these first few shows, you know, and it's sort of almost becoming a trademark that it's like. Oh, we, you think you know the answers, but we're not only is that not the answer, we probably won't give you any at all. And I think right. this is where that has to start paying off to to some degree. Like we need to figure out some stuff. That said, there's going to be so much happening in that last episode. They have so many things to sort of wrap up just in this story, let alone setting up for what will hopefully be the next five years of you know Marvel film and television. Um, but this episode was certainly probably the strongest episode of them all um, yeah. so far. And I, I think, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I didn't spot a lot of the the Easter eggs that we'll obviously talk about, but it was neat to sort of read about them, you know, see what they were and then find Watch them video. watching yeah. it again, you know, yeah. watching the episode a second time, seeing them. It was, yeah. it was amazing how much they crammed in. Yeah, Kevin, I feel like, you know, this episode featured a plane, a hatch, and a smoke monster, and I feel like maybe you've been burned in the past uh, by a series that might not have given it you all, all the answers. Of, uh, no, th- this I'm whole so- show, this <laughs> yeah. oh, that's a great that's a great comparison. <laughs> yeah. Lost is very much a source of inspiration. The Void was very much the island. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah, my mom even made that reference, which goes to show how blatantly easy it is to draw that comparison between the yeah. two. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, this episode is great. It was fast paced, like just right off the bat. It really mm-hmm. uh, does set up the final episode, and it was in a way that was fun and and still filled with comedic moments. I loved how how in order to get like the best version of Loki, he still had to endure all the worst versions of himself, and that had me laughing out through out loud throughout like the entire episode. It was uh, you know uh, it was quick witted. Um, it was dripping with like Loki jokes and references, and um, I really had a great time with uh, with this one and uh, really my only complaints would be that I think it it solidified the importance of one relationship for Loki over another and I kind of wish that it didn't or at least it didn't as much um, and I'll get into that like later on when we get when we get to that scene but um, I also wanted a little bit more time with those other Lokis I felt like that was a lot of fun and it went by too quickly and I wanted more of it so um, I don't think the humor you know obviously not to the point where like the humor would get stale but Let's just say this. We got an entire fight sequence and a lot of moments between Vision and White Vision and WandaVision. So I was I was just kind of hoping for a little bit more of that. I think uh, one of the negatives of this episode is that it really goes back and makes that third episode that is most people's least favorite that much more frustrating. That almost mm. too much time was wasted on stuff that wasn't really important to the overall plot other than right. some character development and i would have loved more time with in this place and with these characters for sure for sure mm-hmm. for sure uh well listen guys <clears throat> um there seems to be an angry mob of loki's at my door so we should probably get to this plot and just as an aside i've i have mixed up the beginning of the plot a little bit just to keep things condensed and organized so if you think i've missed a moment don't worry i probably just reorganized it somehow kind of like you know, some keeper of time. Uh, oh, and I will be saying I will be saying Loki a lot throughout the episode. So uh, just be prepared. We open seeing the TVA and all its agents going about their day as if it's business as usual. 
And the camera swoops down and slowly rotates as we see that in their reality, or sorry, in reality, their world is actually about to be turned upside down as we get a glimpse of what happened to the timekeepers in last week's episode. Then we push through some smoke and Loki's penultimate episode really picks right up where we left off with Loki meeting four new variants of himself, Kid Loki, Classic Loki, Boastful Loki, and Alligator Loki. He comes to learn that this post-apocalyptic hellscape is called The Void, where everyone and every Everything from a prune timeline branch is sent. Oh, and there's also a giant smoke monster in the sky called Eliath, who destroys everything that comes into the void, ensuring it never never escapes. Uh, as it lets out a huge roar, the four of them run, and we cut to the title sequence. Now, at this point in their journey, the four Loki variants merely trying to avoid death by Eliath, uh, rather than attempting to escape and return to the TVA like Loki wants to try. Um, and and when Loki questions why. The other two older, more capable-looking Lokis follow a child. Kid Loki explains that his nexus event was killing Thor. Uh, okay, guys, right off the bat, um, what did you think of the Loki variants, the Void, and what crazy Easter eggs did you catch? Darcy, let's throw it to you. Uh, first off, the Loki variants are, again, everything I wanted from the comics. They are like The classic Loki and Kid Loki are straight from the pages, uh, and it's really cool to see that. Uh Going further, the Easter eggs that I spot in this first little scene not only are from like the MCU, but I also see, again, them planting those little real-world events almost in the TVA when we see Oak Island up there. And I'm sure yeah. being Canadian, all of us will know of Oak Island being that the fabled area where Captain Kidd may have uh, buried his treasure. So it's neat to yeah. see that that maybe was a Nexus event where he left his treasure there or something like that. <laughs> Uh, again, cool. Seeing Eliath was neat because he's again straight from the comics. Does exactly what he does in this void as he does in the comics, which is just devour everything that is out of place in time, essentially. So right. it was very cool to see them again, just bringing stuff like that really to the forefront. Uh, it's also very interesting because there's uh, associations with the big name that's been thrown around this whole series. Obviously, yes. Kang. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And the past of Eliath was is very complicated in the comics, at having at one point being trapped by Kang. And then later on being released by Ravona accidentally, right. yeah. who's trying to do it to make Kang's empire bigger. bigger like yeah, yeah, yeah. So many references to Kang just in this first little intro and another one being uh, the Kang Tower that yeah. we right. see in one of the first uh, like sweeping skyline things. And that's from a, a timeline where uh, Tony sells the Avengers Tower to uh, a, a company called Kang Industries, where the CEO is... Oh, go ahead, go guess it. It's another version of Kang who's trapped in time. Right. So there's just so many Kang stuff right off the bat, and it's, uh, it'd be interesting to see if he's just the Mephisto of this series. Like all these references to pay off to nothing. Yeah, hope hopefully hopefully not. And uh, I mean, I know there's definitely like a million billion Easter eggs, and I, I want to get back to a few of them, but. Um, I just wanted to say, like, I I love the the opening actually of the of the episode as well, where it twists and turns slowly. It reminded me so much of the opening to to Ragnarok, um, and yeah, dude, the void. Like seeing all those different places across history. There was like a Sphinx at one point. I mm-hmm. think I saw Stonehenge. It looked yeah. like the 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 Santa Maria, which is a boat. Yeah. Um, I got so many, and, and Darcy, you'll you'll know this, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart vibes, right? Totally. Like seeing the portals open up in the background and just stuff falling through. I just I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I love this place. Is this is this where we saw the Thanos helicopter too? It was it was when they <laughs> were walking. Later yeah. on, we do yeah. see that one, and which yeah. is sure. actually also from the comics, believe it yeah. or not. Like, yeah, he flew around in a helicopter with Ravona, right? With, yeah. With, with, uh, no, 
he was going after Hellcat trying to get a Hellcat, cosmic cube. That's right. it's, yeah, yeah, that's right. Random yeah, yeah. Spidey comic. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. the Sella helicopter, you guys. Yeah. It's the Sella toy <laughs> helicopter. That's yeah. all that, that was. I, I also think, though, that, like, you know, as you're pointing out, Darcy, like, it's crazy that there's just so many references to Kang in yeah, this even, in this and you know we got all the key players right you know we got yeah. Ravona, we got Eliath, and now we you know we just need him right and yeah. i think if they're leading where when we get towards it if your theory about where they're leading to it'll be interesting to see how how it all ties into what could be the future of the mcu mm-hmm. well even just when you mentioned the, the the pyramid there i'm not sure if we've gotten there in our our breakdown yet but no. the pyramid or out. sphinx the yeah. sphinx is also how uh, kang time traveled back to the past and became a pharaoh of egypt known as yes. ramatut like yeah. they're again another blatant king uh uh easter egg right in front of us so is this his, is this his, is this the void his place where he hides all his relics that's what like i'm starting I, to think that yeah. like, it, it wouldn't be surprised because again he's fight he fights from a place beyond time so if this is right. the place that he he builds up his his defenses or his his army and stuff like that and then goes on to conquer from there it's uh, it's really interesting what, what was the city called though uh, the, his city's called Chronopolis, so that yeah, might so be that they 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 were been saying that you know in Ant Man two you know you can see a little city and it was very uh, purposeful as to why they put it there and they think now bringing in Kang, you know that's what they're gonna find within that sort of um, quantum realm is 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 his is his city is it it could could you argue that this is like. Loki is in the void within the quantum. Like well, that. I wanted I to just I, co- yeah, hang I, on a second because yes, uh, I don't want to jump too ahead because I no, have some theories Darcy, about that. Darcy, at this point, we can just say whatever we, whatever we want. <laughs> this whole episode was a feast for the eyes with 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 Easter eggs. And before we continue on the the quantum realm thing, Journey into Mystery was the title of this movie, which was the first Marvel comic to feature Thor and Loki, which I mm-hmm. think is just so wonderful. Eliath, I just wanted to before we move on from Eliath, looking like the smoke monster had a baby with the cave of one. Like that thing was <laughs> terrifying. Um, and I just love how quickly they established all that, right? Like just so quickly with Loki, classic Loki saying like, we're, you know, we're in the void. That's Eliath and we're his lunch, right? Yeah, and then yeah, they, yeah. they run for it. But really quick going back to the quantum realm theory, giant yellow jacket helmet showed yeah. up in this in this yes. episode. So yeah, quantum realm confirmed? Like, Yeah, well, again, I've with the recent rumors about Corey Stoll's return in Quantumania after one of the like Instagram posts that's been deleted, like many things that Marvel does, wow. uh, it leads credence to like maybe he survived his thing just in the quantum realm, and that's the, the remains of his helmet or another version of him where he tried to get out and, and grew bigger and it failed or something like that. Like, again, so much potential setup with this one, like these Easter eggs they've dropped throughout well, that this was, That one was intentional. Like, that was yeah. like, that was very like, in a, in a wide landscape you you could see it right yeah so. oh yeah and yeah, you know we we talked about did we talk about throg last week i don't know if we did at all but throg well, I showed totally up we talked about that because right? yeah again, again throg is actually a different character i think what we just saw there was thor for, uh thor frog where he is turned into a frog by loki throg is a different character uh, <laughs> by the name of simon <laughs> walterson even... i believe what? and he gets turned into a frog by a witch and then ends up gaining the powers of thor after being named something like uh gullible or something like that as a frog by the other wow. frogs like there yeah so many little easter eggs in didn't this realize thing. there was more than one thor frog in the yes, marvel there's comic thor universe. Frog and then there's throg that's different incredible. character entirety wow okay uh before we before we keep going on there i also wanted to just shout out alligator loki and how much i love him and how many times they just kept cutting to alligator loki just like blinking or like making a noise uh, and then really quickly, I did also want to shout out throughout parts of the episode, you do see a ton of cafeteria trays from the TVA just like lying in 
like mountains of of these cafeteria trays, and I just like the idea that instead of cleaning them, they just prune them because like that's something I I would I would do. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's let's keep moving here. So the variants take Loki to an underground bunker that serves as their home base, and they commiserate about the events that led to the TVA hunting them, with boastful Loki boasting about how he managed to vanquish both Captain America and Iron Man and claim all six Infinity Stones. Uh, we learn that Alligator Loki ate the wrong neighbor's cat, and Classic Loki explains that for him, everything proceeded correctly until Thanos attacked his ship, and he ran and hid until the TVA came to collect him. Uh, he suggests that they're all destined to be the god of outcasts no matter the timeline. And Loki counters that, saying, you know, Sylvie is different. She wants to take down the TVA, not take it over. And Loki plans to kill Eliath in order to help Sylvie fulfill her quest. Naturally, the four variants, Gator Loki included, mock his plan, and Loki leaves the bunker to venture out on his own, only to find a dozen more variants of himself waiting at the bunker door when it opens. After some classic Loki double, you know, double, triple backstabbing in an all-out, you know, brawl, uh, it starts, you know, brawl breaks out and, and uh, I'm, sorry, let me start that over. After some classic double, then triple backstabbing, in, you know, an all-out brawl starts breaking out among the different variants uh, regarding which one of them should rule the void, even to the point where President Loki gets his hand bit off by Alligator Loki. During all the commotion, Loki, Classic Loki, Kid Loki, and Gator Loki manage to escape the fight after Classic Loki, Classic Loki casts a projection of all four of them in the bunker. Once they're back outside, the variants help. Loki to take down Eliath, uh, but they'll only lead him to the monster. Actually approaching it is a death sentence, as classic Loki warns. So guys, what did you think of the incredible brawl and seeing all these Lokis showing us like the worst aspects of what a Loki is? Kevin? Uh, yeah, I think something that really stood out in this scene and then for the rest of the episode uh, was just how great Richard E. Grant was. And so he good. just commanded the screen you know with his presence the whole time and i'm just you know i would love to see more of him um and like he alludes to something very integral in the scene and that's just how powerful he is at the you know illusion aspect of 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 his magic if you will right and so not only does that come into play towards the end of the episode but i'm just crossing my fingers that maybe it means there's a chance for more but we'll have to see Oh, right. I, yeah. I like that but, idea. But, but but I do think that, you know, it is unfortunate that we only got, you know, this clash of these characters for two or three minutes, like you mentioned at the top of the episode. It, and and it is it is unfortunate because I definitely want more of at least Richard E. Grant. Like like you said, um, seeing classic Loki evolve so much, even in just this short period of time, seeing him talk about how he missed his brother and that's why the TVA found him. I just thought that was so lovely, and I I think it really does mean that maybe in their their truest form, Lokis are meant to be good. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting because the classic Loki look is obviously most associated with like the evilest of Lokis in the comics, mm -hmm. at least. So I thought yeah. it was really interesting to show him that he's the most forlorn and like ho like hopeless. He he wants to change and knows he can't. Like it was a very different uh, attitude for the look that I've uh, you know associated imagined or, with it. Ima imagined for that character, yeah. really. So I thought it was really cool. Yeah, again, he really blew me away with everything, like his whole performance this episode. So. I'm, again, really hopeful that we get to see either him or another version of him at, at some point. Because, again, he is just the future version of Loki. So 
Yeah. Who knows? There might be another one out there. And that's, and, I wanna, and that sorry. was what was what was really interesting too is is that you know he he kind of shared that his story is similar to that of of our Loki's that we we, we know. Right with and Thanos. He, and, yeah, with Thanos yeah. and and everything and and you know he hid himself and the ship exploded and he just floated out in space and you know he went into hiding but him looking for his brother is what inevitably got him caught by the TVA what if our loki from you know infinity war isn't actually dead do you know what i mean like you know i, I don't know like i i i it just me he insinuated that there was a same sort of set of events but you know not how how much they were different or the same but it just seems to imply that maybe maybe that loki isn't dead so Based on his reaction, it didn't strike me as that, you know, what happened with his story. Yeah. Well, classic Loki even said that he didn't he didn't think to stab Thanos. He's like, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to hide. So he didn't even have the inclination to stand up, whereas our Loki clearly was like, I got to stand up for my brother. Okay. yeah. So, yeah. Well, well, I I think that's interesting, though, that they lived through the same events and they just handled Mm -hmm. it differently. Right. Like it's 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 still very cool that they had the same sort of they shared the same story. I, I don't know, Justin. I like that idea. I, I also want to shout out two other Lokis, um, Kid Loki and Alligator Loki. First off, Kid Loki drinking some high C uh, out of a juice box mm-hmm. I thought was so mm-hmm. cool while they were all drinking wine. And then, uh, and then with Alligator Loki, they do get help. Uh, where he, threw, he throws alligator Loki at uh, at another Loki, and then um, I guess sorry, one more Loki. I want to shout out, of course, President Loki was awesome, but it's all about bike helmet Loki, bike helmet Loki with the handlebars for horns. <laughs> I thought was so cool because I, I like to think that you know in a previous episode we saw Tour de For Tour de France Loki, so I like to think that maybe like this Loki killed that Loki and broke his bike and turned it into a helmet. I don't know. I just I thought oh, that's that was interesting. So I, I didn't think of them as Loki variants. Oh, oh, they, they are all Loki's. Are. They're all yeah. using magic. They all have very green accents and the same like logo with like the half moon almost thing. They're I thought all, that, they're, yeah, I thought that I thought they were Loki followers. Varies. I thought no. they were followers of Loki because, president. So again, the whole thing throughout the series is that Loki survive. So it seems like it makes sense that the only survivors of this barren wasteland would be the Lokis out there. Uh, so it, and again, we uh, one of them is confirmed to be a Loki too because earlier when they're flashing through all the Lokis and yeah, one or the guy two, with the glasses, yeah, the pigtail guy, yeah, 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 he's, yeah. we see him, so we know that the, like, that was kind of almost a, uh, like a confirmation that yes, although that whole army was just a bunch of Lokis from random timelines, which is why they were all so quick to stab President Loki and in the start back, throwing right. magic around, right. yeah, and so also good. I guess that creates the explanation for a character like boastful Loki too, right? yeah, like I, yeah. Yeah. What I thought was neat too is when the few times you saw Boastful Loki swinging the hammer, it sounded exactly like Thor's Mjolnir when you hear him swing that. So it was mm-hmm. like it's not the exact hammer, but it clearly has almost the same power behind it. So good, so yeah. good. Yo, license um, plate Loki was pretty rad though. License guy, plate Loki, <laughs> the guy who had like license plates as a body, and armor. then like the green hood up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You look like Doctor so Doom, good. like a half-ass like cosplay Doctor Doom. And again, like <laughs> even even just a little bit more with those Lokis, I think would have been. Would have been really, really cool. But, yeah, a couple um, lines from them to right? sort of define their unique personality. Yeah. or You know, just a line or two. Yeah. I don't know. I think it would have been really good. Uh, listen, meanwhile, back at the TVA, Renslayer buys herself some time uh, by telling Sylvie about the Void's existence, explaining that she's helping Sylvie because she, too, now wants answers about how the TVA was created. But when some TVA hunters bust in looking to permanently take Sylvie back into the Bureau's custody, Sylvie decides to prune herself with Renslayer's time stick, uh, and she she swipes Renslayer's temp pad as well, uh, sending herself to the void. 
Uh, later on, a locked-up B-15 tells Renslayer uh, in a very short scene that she'll never get answers about the TVA's creation before Sylvie does, saying, you only want it, but she needs it. Upon landing in the void and immediately getting chased by Eliath, Sylvie, for a brief moment, makes contact with the beast and sees briefly through its veil. Then, she's saved by someone driving a pizza delivery car, and the driver is, of course, Mobius. Uh, Sylvie theorizes that Loki has already been killed by Eliath, uh, and she believes that the best way out of the void is to go back towards the angry cloud. Uh, with, uh, with you know, freaking Owen Wilson. You want to go back to the angry cloud? Wow. Uh, so, <laughs> so guys, with this exchange, uh, cutting, going a little bit further back there, with the exchange between Ravona and Sylvie, uh, and, and then also between her and uh, B-15, it sort of leads to more speculation behind her character. Do you guys think she really wants to get answers here, or is she just continuing to lie to protect what's going on? What do you I guys think? I don't know think? at this point anymore. Right? I- it seems like she's she she doesn't actually know. Like yeah. I, I feel like now that she, the timekeepers have been revealed to be robots and and fake, I think she's she's very much looking for answers as well. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know because it did seem like she, her, and and Miss Minutes, you know, were 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 in on something. Whether they knew ultimately what it was, it seemed like they were, you know, because you see Miss Minutes like, oh, but what about that time vehicle? Like, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. That's not a real thing. I'm going to stall for time because I know that you need that. Um, I don't know. Kevin, what do you what are your I just, about? I, I'm just not sold on this character at all. I haven't yeah. been from the beginning and the last couple episodes have kind of soured me. I'm, I'm not sure if it's just, you know, the way um, Gugu Mbatha Ra is, is portraying the character, if it's just not hitting the mark or if... The character is supposed to be a bad liar. It's just yeah. her scenes are coming off weird and, and cheesy to me a little bit. She, so she's, I, she's coming off very devout, though, right? Like her whole character this entire time is like she is devout to the TVA. She's devout to this belief that they're that they're in charge of a sacred timeline. And and I honestly think that she's in ways she's she's tried to protect the the sanctity of that. And it's the sort of that that sort of like perception of it. And I think now she's she's kind of at a loss but you know she i don't know i feel like she's trying to find those answers as well yeah interesting uh, i yeah i totally agree that she's very devout and stuff like that but i i feel like she she doesn't know who's behind the tva but she's been it's almost like she's in like knows what's happening the way that she's leading sylvie on and lying so badly it seems like right. this is all part of the grand scheme that she's let in on and because she caught on to the scheme she now wants in on more. type thing yeah, yeah more yeah. like, like at the, when she walks away from Miss Minutes at the end there after saying get me everything on the end uh, the beginning of t- uh, time or whatever so like that she's got a very like, sl- like coy look on her face like this I'm getting what I wanted now but again it seems like the she doesn't know what's up but she knows that she's on the right track or something it was very it's very mm. interesting mm. yeah I think I think her character for the position that she's in would need to know sort of how it operates. Right. Mm -hmm. So she can keep everything in control. And now we've seen over the last few episodes, that's what she's doing, right? She's eliminating anybody who's becoming suspicious or asking questions. But then I also don't think she knows who is actually behind it all because they wouldn't have her be investigating further at the end of the episode, you know, if, because nobody was there. So it would, it was just for our sake to see that. So it has to be that she actually does want to find out answers that she doesn't have. Interesting. I, I want to get back to that in just a moment here. I, I did want to just shout out though, like 
I love the moment with Sylvie saying, poor Judge Renslayer finally on the other side of it, having her whole reality, you know, being destroyed. I just I just thought that was such a wonderful parallel just for it's the book and, and it's a good book and it's a good payoff as well, right? From from the previous episode where where Renslayer was like, I don't really remember why. Um or if maybe she did. Um and I also think that, you know, because I, I saw a lot of people calling out Sylvie in this scene and saying, like, that was so unlike Sylvie. Why did she just trust Ravona? Remember, she still she still sees the good in, in people, right? And I think that's a flaw for a Loki, but I think that's, you know, that's what makes her special. But I, also, I also thought Sylvie sort of came off as knowing more than she was letting on. And I think she was using Ravona to get the answer she needed. She needed Ravona to tell her that Loki wasn't dead. That getting pruned wasn't gonna didn't kill him and it wouldn't kill her, right? And so that's how she was able to deduce what her next step of you know the next part of her plan had to be. I, I honestly think that as much as we might have been thinking that Ravona was playing Sylvie and, and buying time, I think it was also the other way around. Like I think she Yeah, was, they were both playing each other. They absolutely. were both playing each other, which is why they were both sort of like, Oh yeah, you know, like we can be friends. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, like, like and then frenemies. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, frenemies, right? So but I think once she realized, you know, she was basically in a corner, she had to do what she had to do for to to kind of get to the next step. So and last thing I want to just shout out about some stuff that people are saying on the internet that I don't agree with, like a lot of people being like, oh, well, Mobius is clearly a Loki because he survived for so long in the void. But you got to remember, Mobius is a, is not as de- maybe not as devout as as um, as Renslayer, but he studied up on all of that stuff. He would know how to survive in that void. Yeah. He also only got pruned like five minutes before Loki did, didn't he? That's true. You yeah. know, so yeah. he hadn't been there for that long. Also, you gotta think like he's crafty. Like Loki even said that you can't you can't trust him type thing. I don't know if he's good or not. Like that's why they like him so much. He he embodies a lot of the things that Loki's do already. So it was easy for Loki to bond with him. So like he's clearly a crafty guy on his own. So, yeah. yeah, I feel like that yeah. he's he'd be able to get out of that situation as soon as he realized. Oh wait, I'm not dead. Time to start moving type thing. Right. Yeah, sure. he, he just jumped in the you know variant of the Pizza Planet truck. <laughs> yeah, it was the Pizza Planet <laughs> station wagon, and he protected I love himself. It. I yeah. love it. Very cool. Yeah, and uh, and I also think that Renslayer uh, doesn't know what's going on, but she does have a lover who does, and I'll get into that later. Darcy, did you have something? Yeah, I just wanted to say before we move on there, uh, just when they're talking about uh, where the timekeepers could be hiding, how they're past the, the void there at the end, when they, they show the representation of the timeline, everything that's up until that end point is black and white, whereas as soon as it diverges, it becomes multicolor. I thought that was a really interesting way to like, mm. kind of like the fact that like what they have decided is the t- true timeline is very set in stone, very black and white for them. Whereas anything past that is still up in the air. And so I thought it was a really cool. unique way of for them to portray that uh, kind mm. of feel. Yeah. It. It's yeah. like a light shining through a prism. Prism. Yeah. <laughs> endless, endless, endless colors. <laughs> Once they've returned to a hill overlooking where Elioth lurks, Sylvie and Mobius reunite with Loki and meet the other variants. And Sylvie mocks Loki's plan uh, for trying to, to kill Elioth. Uh, instead, Sylvie, suge- Sylvie suggests that whomever cons- is controlling the end of time and created the TVA uh, is likely located beyond Elioth. Uh, and that Elioth is merely the guard dog. So rather than kill Elioth, Sylvie plans to enchant it and gain access to whatever lies beyond. 
Uh, later, while Loki and Sylvie wait for Eliath to approach again, they share a, a sweet conversation about what they'll do with their lives when this is all over. Neither one is sure, and Loki suggests, you know, maybe we could figure it out together. Maybe, uh, Sylvie responds. And, and Loki promises he, he won't betray her at the last minute. Uh, then they get cozy underneath a, a blanket that Loki conjures for them. Um, not a very cozy blanket, but it's it's a blanket nonetheless. And when it comes to addressing the Nexus event they caused on Lamentis uh, and Mobius's theory about their interest in each other, Loki and Sylvie, Sylvie awkwardly deny any chemistry, suggesting that Mobius's words are just another TVA lie. So, guys, what did you think of this uh, cute moment between Loki and Sylvie? Uh, and do you think that Loki could ever really keep a relationship like that going? Mm. Justin? Well, I... Last week I was saying that I didn't necessarily think that they were leaning too hard into the, you know, the romantic <laughs> and they were, you know, kind of leaving it as for a viewer sort of thing. This yeah. one, they definitely leaned pretty hard into it, I guess, because I, I definitely felt that more in this, you know, the snuggling, the blanket, the cute looks and eye yeah. glances and stuff. It was like so. a romantic comedy. Like, I was watching this episode with my dad and my mom sat down just to watch that part and she was like sort of laughing and, and enjoyed it. Uh, just as a fan of, you know, anime and uh, manga and all that stuff, they really like throwing out the red flag thing. And it just seems like this whole scene is a red flag for their relationship. I don't, I feel like one of these two isn't going to have the happy ending that they're talking about. Mm. So that's just, that's all I got from this scene. Also that their, you know, real relationship kind of creeps me out a bit. That's just the fence I'm on. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kevin's in all for it though. So. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I ship the two hard. I think yeah. they're, I think they're great together, have really good chemistry. Um, and it's an interesting sort of romance, right? Not one you're, you're sort of accustomed to seeing, right? So there's intriguing details to it. I just really hope, you know, sort of, you know, the, the whole promise of not doing anything at the last minute to backstab. I hope that doesn't lead to, uh, you know, one more betrayal from a Loki at the end here, you know, to, to sort of make this all worth it. You need that character of Loki to have finally grown to a point of trusting somebody and being trustworthy. Um, and so I honestly don't know if either of them are going to make it out of whatever happens in the next episode. Well, that's I kind just of what, hope it's yeah. not because of what somebody does to the other. Yeah. Like, cause they're, I, you know, they seemed like they were, you know, really getting along uh, the quip with her and being like, is this a tablecloth? Like, I don't know if she's a Loki replacement for him in the MCU. Um, I'd love to see them together, but yeah, I think one of them is going to die, and I do think, Kevin, that yes, there is going to be a deception between one of them. They're, they're going to deceive each other, but it's going to be sort of flip-flopped on its head in the sense that one of them is deceiving the other so that the other one can survive. It'll be like uh, Black Widow and and Hawkeye. Yeah. 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 yeah I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I also love their conversation, like them realizing that taking down the TVA or even saving the universe, it's important, uh, you know, but it, it's it's still very important for them to have someone and how that parallels classic Loki's downfall, right, of him feeling lonely. Um, I just thought that was more of that poetic smart writing that I mentioned from last week, really focusing on those themes as a through point for these characters. And I think that's what elevates these conversations for me even if they do feel a little bit romantic comedy i'm 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 okay yeah, with it because nice they, they still that, tie though. it back it's nice yeah. that it had that romantic comedy it also had this sort of like is this really like okay like they both kind of don't know if it's like right 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they they, they yeah. get some weird vibes from it, right? So I think they know. just haven't been in a relationship before, right? Yeah, but like it's also never... like if they understand it's a variant of themselves. Like you got to think yeah. that that would play with your psyche as well, right? Yeah, like, that's like, it's like the epitome of narcissism is just loving yourself, like literally. <laughs> I still I still hold out for the idea that like somehow it, it they're gonna make it seem less weird with with some some answer that they give us in the next episode. I don't know. Well, I, well I'll just say yeah. it now because that's one of my theories. Is yeah. that I think that there's still a surprise for who she is and who and her significance because in this episode specifically when we go back to the the scene where they're in the bunker and yeah. you know he says like she she's like us but she's not like us like she's so different and that's what i like like <laughs> yeah. he's you know he's he's really calling out like she has some of the similar traits but she's so different so i, I feel like that has to be something that must matter more i don't know not to say that she's not necessarily loki but like her association i don't know i, I think there's just a reveal on that yeah or maybe i'm wrong I just Nate Fistowed this one, so <laughs> <laughs> Nate Fistowed. Um, I and then I just wanted to mention the part of the episode that really didn't work for me narratively, which was Mobius. Um, I thought had some really fun moments with the other variants, talking about alligator Loki and stuff like that. But he he kind of just hugged them and and left, and it felt like he was very third his, wheel here. Yeah, well, because his and, story because his story will continue in the next one sure we're gonna see his closure in the next episode and like as long as he gets a good send-off as long as he gets a good send-off i I hope so but and who knows if he's even gonna get sent off right like maybe he you know i mean like maybe he assumes the role of the tva and he you know whatever no way he's going to burn the tva down that's what he said that's what he said which was such a cool nod to the first episode i love that but i think that 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 that's why he had to feel a little third wheelie in this episode because his his closure will come in the next episode his story is at the TVA with yeah. with Renslayer, which is going to be mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Um, finally, Eliath makes its return, and Loki says he'll stay with Sylvie while he tries to enchant it. Uh, while clo- while classic Loki, Kid Loki, and Gator Loki uh, opt out to uh, to stay behind in the void, which has become their home. Mobius takes the tempad that Sylvie swiped from Renslayer and opens a time door back to the TVA, uh, which he plans to burn to the ground. Uh, he says, thanks for the spark. Um, and he sort of hugs Loki. And uh, I love how he sort of whispers to Sylvie and saying, like, she was his favorite. <laughs> and then he just, well, it was such an Owen Wilson thing. Uh, when it comes time to face down Elioth, Loki offers himself up as bait in, a t- in an attempt to distract the smoke monster, which would give Sylvie a chance to enchant it from the other side. But Elioth turns its face back towards Sylvie before she can get in its head and rushes back towards her. When suddenly, Elioth is distracted by a ton of glowing green light nearby. It's not Sylvie producing it though, it's classic Loki who is using his formidable magic to project the entire city of Asgard. Ornate buildings and roads pop up uh, right where, right there in the void and, and Eliath is sufficiently distracted as it tries to destroy everything the variant has just created. Eventually, classic Loki's power weakens and his projections fade, leaving Eliath to fly right toward him. He shouts glorious purpose and lets out a huge laugh and cackles with delight as Eliath tears through him, leaving only his horned helmet behind. But the distraction has given Sylvie and Loki enough time to try jointly enchanting Eliath, and just as the beast turns their, its head toward them once more, they make the connection and all of the smoke rushing at them suddenly turns green. Open your eyes, Sylvie tells Loki, and he does to find that Eliath's face has vanished. And in its place, uh, it reveals a massive castle in the distance. Hand in hand, Loki and Sylvie exchange a look, 
and begin to walk toward it. And that's the end of the episode. So guys, what did you think of this final sequence getting to see a Loki using his projection magic to the fullest of its potential and the final battle against Goliath? Uh, I thought it goes to show just kind of what maybe uh, classic Loki was doing on that planet for all those years was just maybe he was conjuring Asgard around himself so he didn't feel so alone and lost. Oh, I like just that. The, the scale Ooh. of that power goes to show like, yeah, he is like Loki's magic is his strongest suit. Who cares about the knives? Magic is where it's at. Right. Uh, <laughs> I also thought it was really interesting going into the, the final battle. We kind of got a, a, a bit almost a tease that Loki would be joining in when we with Sylvia's first interaction with Eliath. It was very uh, Valkyrie and Ragnarok, where he goes, oh, sounds like a terrible memory, and, and forces it onto her. The way that Sylvie goes through that brief flash really made me feel that same uh, like experience. So the fact that Loki was able, able to do it, too, goes to show that it, it, was, it is part of his skill set. Skill set, yeah. He, he always thought to use or Tapped even into. thought to use at yeah. all. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. listen, you, you mentioned Valkyries, and that just reminded me, like, the Natalie Holt is just doing a... a a bang up job on this entire score uh, and mashing up Wagner's ride of the Valkyries with the Loki theme. When mm. look classic Loki is doing his thing, it was just so fantastic and so fitting for that character as he's shouting glorious purpose. And I just, I was so like, it just, it elevated that moment so much. Yeah. So I think she did such a good job with the music in this, uh, in this episode. And for him, I was genuinely, like Richard E. Grant, I was genuinely sad to see him go, but I was also really happy to see him achieve his true purpose. Like, he, he looked so happy in that moment, and, and it was That's why really mixed it, feelings man. for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. It was so he good. served glorious purpose, yes. And so. he went out laughing like a Loki should. Like, it was, he, he, he died as a warrior of Asgard in yeah. basically what was Asgard after it. So I, I thought it was a very fitting way for, to sign off on the character, despite only just meeting him. Very cool. Yeah. Um, okay, listen, wrapping up our discussion on the plot, uh, let's get to the, our final thoughts on this episode as well as your final score, uh, which we'll be ranking on a scale, a scale of one to five alligator Lokis. Get, get it? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Kevin. I get it now. That took me too long. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, let's, let's start with you. Uh, what is your final, uh, thoughts and rating for this episode? Uh, yeah, again, I think this was the, the most solid entry um, in the show. You know, so often a TV show's penultimate episode is the best episode of a season. Yeah. Um, and and th- that was certainly the case so far here. Uh, I think they did a great job of, you know, not only tying up some loose ends between certain characters. Like I thought the the, the Loki and Mobius sort of ending of their friendship and pairing up was suitable for how much time they actually did spend together as friends in the, in the course of the show. I mean, it wasn't really that long in the grand scheme of things. Right. And then I think it perfectly set up all the things we've wanted to see for the entirety of the show leading up into what's hopefully going to be a pretty jam packed uh, final episode. So again, yeah, definitely the strongest of the show I'll get uh, of the series so far, I would give it, um, a 4.6 out of 5 wow. uh, all, uh, alligator Lokis, just, even just for the sheer eye candy of it. I mean, they made this place that we, we'd never seen before just so incredibly interesting and engaging and, and all the things that you could spot after, you know, sort of rewatching. Like, I, I strongly encourage listeners to go back and rewatch the episode after listening to this and, and go and spot all those things that are throughout the episode because it's a lot of fun. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Darcy, how about yourself, my friend? 
Uh, well, again, saying being a, a massive fan of the comics, I as I said, this was a like just perfect candy for me. All the Easter eggs. Again, I've got a list here of what I pointed, I found in the episode, and I didn't even get through all of them. So, like, it just goes to show how much they managed to cram in here and make it so you know unique and interesting. Like Kevin said, like it it really fleshed out this this place we've never been, but we can tell there's been so much history or stuff has happened here. Uh, everything with the plot was awesome. It sets up every. I can't wait to see where it goes. In the next episode, we know that, you know, we're going to get some sort of answer, whether it's the answer we want and we're looking for, or just another, again, another small taste before the big reveal later on down the line. This is, uh, yeah, definitely my favorite episode of the series as well. I'm probably going to go ahead and give it uh, 4.8 out of 5 uh, Alligator Lokis, just because it might be bumped up to that 5, just depending on how they, they pay out what they've set up in this episode. So Interesting. Yeah, yeah I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> Very cool. Justin Loki. To, to Darcy's point, like it, the payoff is going to come out of, of the next episode. And this episode did a great job of setting everything up and giving us finally the multivariant Lokis all at once, right? Like we, we got to see that actually happen. And, you know, for that reason too, just to actually, as Darcy was describing, to see something like from the comics, you know, leap off the pages and in, into this series, I think that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, it, this thing was a feast for the eyes. It was pure fan service. Um, again, setting up everything that we want for what will hopefully be a very conclusive final episode. But we'll, we'll sure. wait to see. But I, I still think Marvel's in it for the long game, right? They're playing the long, the long con on us, mm-hmm. so we might, we might get some small answers. But um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, it, I'm gonna go four point eight out of five Loki, Loki Gators. Um, wow! As well, because I think if it, 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 this, the, like, I think I gave the first episode a, a five, mm-hmm. and I think that was just flawless in terms of how it integrated us in. So, I think, given how how successful the next episode is, or what it what it ends up concluding, will will probably affect the score of this one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm in agreement with with all you guys. Like, as I mentioned at the top of this episode, it was uh, with all its like in jokes and references filled with Lokiisms. Um, the void was it was a it was a visual feast, if you will, and how chaotic and fun the entire episode was. Like I would say, well, maybe not the entire episode, but throughout most of its runtime, I think there was a little bit uh, where it dragged near the the later later portion. But the music in the episode was so uh, phenomenal, and the, it, there's so many different ways that the Loki theme was used in just this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, just as much as you would go back and watch the episode to look for those Easter eggs, go back and like listen for for those different themes and and how how Natalie Holt is just nailed it um, I thought that the pacing was uh, was really great getting right to things by using the right amount of exposition in a fun way that wasn't like episode three where they were just literally walking and talking for the majority of the episode um, Lord of the Rings. right 100% and and I get why they had to slow down a little bit right to grow Loki and Sylvie's relationship but I, I um, you know that, that was fine and and I, I kind of wanted a little more of a go- a bigger goodbye, um, which hopefully we'll get that that payoff with uh, with Mobius. Uh, you know, maybe he's on a a jet ski or something like that at the, in the final episode. Um, and Richard E. Grant's performance literally brought this episode up uh, for me. He was the highlight of the episode, uh, and and he he raised up the the score as high as it is for me. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, I think I I, I just I, I loved seeing. I, I would have loved to just see a little bit more of the Loki on Loki banter and fight sequences. Um, but this was, yeah, this was one of my favorite episodes so far uh, from a standpoint of giving us answers while still remaining to the core of what this show is, which is a study of Loki. 
Um, so I'm going to give this episode four and a half alligator Lokis. I thought it was uh, it was really good. It was fantastic. My God, um, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna outscore Darcy and I, but the way yeah. you were talking about it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it goes ahead and underscores all of us. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I, so the thing is, I don't, I don't do the point nines and the point nine fives or whatever. I just give simple, easy scores. You know what I'm saying? Um, you're putting a point five in there, anyway. Just saying. <laughs> Listen, at the end of Watch Club, we like <laughs> to give our thoughts on what's going to happen next in a segment we call our low-key perspective on what's going to happen next. So, guys, with this being the penultimate episode, I want to know, Darcy, what's your low-key perspective on what's going to be in the finale for Loki? Well, that where we see through Eliath there, I immediately got Quantum Realm vibes from. Uh, like Justin was saying earlier, that's where Kang's domain is. So, it, I mean, Kang is definitely a potential thing there. Um, another thing, though, is Eliath was captured by Kang and then controlled by another version of himself called Mortis. So we might see a future Kang potentially in this oh. castle. Uh, I, I like again, after all these Easter eggs, if it's, if it's not Kang, it's going to be a letdown and it, unless it's like revealed, turned out to be like, maybe it's going to be a Loki or who, or maybe a Dr. Strange. Cause that the top of the tower has the same yellowy magic glow that we know Dr. Strange uses. So like, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of potential there. It's very uh, Mount uh, Castle Doom looking. So yeah, I, I'm hoping it's Kang. It seems like that all signs point to Kang, but who knows where it's going to go. Really. And they have all the players, man. Like if, mm-hmm. if Ravona finds out that Kang, you know, like, don't they have a romance? Isn't yeah, there yeah, a romance? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's his wife at, for a period of time at least. Right. So it's like, you know, like, the, you know, this could be like kind of like that setting. And who was the character that I've been seeing referenced? He's like this old man who's who's at the, he's basically like at the end of time. He's, oh, that, that's Immortus. That's and, Immortus? And that's Kane. Mm. Yeah. yeah oh, that's okay. future Kane. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Oh, interesting. It's interesting, too, with having Kid Loki, again, with all the other or most recent Marvel stuff, they've been kind of planting the eggs for uh, Young Avengers, which yeah. uh, mm-hmm. totally would be really cool to see Kid Loki as a hero in that uh, series as well. So it'd be neat to see him, Jack Veal, return and, and play another good Loki. Um, it's interesting, though, because another member of the Young Avengers is Iron Lad, which is, at first, you think would be a, a younger Iron Man or a future Iron Man or something like that. But it's actually a younger version of Kane the Conqueror. So, like, there are there's so much, but wow. there are so many versions of Kane that exist in the main timeline that literally it could be any of them. Like, wow. they they all have a hand in t- uh, dabbling in time and trying to control stuff. So it's there. Yeah, any Kane is up for grabs, basically. Jeez. Yeah, I think I think. Um, I mean, I I had mentioned weeks ago that uh, I thought it might be Loki behind everything. I mean, I could see them pulling a sort of swerve and that being it. It's it's a, a Loki. Of, I mean, there's just something important about Loki that whoever's behind this all needs to sort of control for whatever reason it is, right? They are controlling the destiny of Loki and all of his variants. Um, I mean, that being said, I do really think that this is the time that Marvel needs to put up or shut up at the end of one of these shows where <laughs> if you're teasing it for this long, yeah. you kind of have to deliver it at some point. Right. Yeah. And I think it works well into the scheme of even, you know, as we've said with uh, Ravona in the comics, having a relationship, I don't think it will be the romance that it was in the comics, but 
you know, to, to just have her sort of be his underling and his puppet sort of running the show for him while he stays behind the scenes is that sort of MCU twist on a, a familiar character background where they sort of take it and tweak it just enough to make it sort of their own, yeah, but while also being familiar for readers. So yeah, I think, I think that's the direction we're going. I also think while we're not going to see the end of the manipulation of time and, and timelines, I think that's just beginning in, in our MCU. I do think the TVA is, is going down in one way or another. And I think, you know, um, uh, we'll see Mobius and is it BB15? B15, yes. yeah. yeah. Uh, I think we're going to see them get almost placed back into the lives that they were living before uh, this all started and they were they were taken away by the TVA. And so That'd we'll definitely nice. get Mobius on a jet ski at the end of this show. Please, please. Yeah. I just want to throw out there too, just uh, to Kevin's uh, Loki behind the scenes theory. Uh, so there's something about the TVA, both the like the the runic symbol it looks like on the on the timekeeper's door mm-hmm. is a rune from Norse mythology, uh, as well as the fact that the the force field that we see B15 behind in this episode ve- looks very similar to the Asgardian force field that Loki's behind in mm-hmm. uh, in the Dark World and stuff like that. So, it, I mean, there there is small things that could lead credence to Asgardian tech in it all, but I again that might just be trying to throw us off, thinking oh it is a Loki after all. Yeah, and, and the TVA logo, if you look at it, could, you know, uh, that, that emblem on the door there, you could say that that almost looks like Kang in yes. his helmet and everything. Yeah. So It could go both ways easily, yeah. yeah. Mm. I think you're all wrong, and you're all right, because I'm going to double down on my theory that I mentioned earlier of the Big Bad is a variant of Mobius, and I think... With the subtle introduction of time loops, which is something that's now being brought up twice in the past two episodes, and the fact that Mobius doesn't remember pruning Alligator Loki, something that you probably remember, I think that it could be subtle foreshadowing that Mobius might have to do something to start the TVA to save Loki and Sylvie, and then in the end to keep the time loop for himself and his variant closed and stable. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking like maybe, maybe it's Mobius and, and that's why Ravona, you know, talks about that other, that other agent and what have you. And, 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 but maybe, maybe Mobius turns out to then be Kang, the Conqueror, you know, in disguise to try and, to try and, and allure Ravona in a sense to, to, to work for him. I don't wow. know. I don't know. Wow, wow, right? I'm just saying, man. How cool would it be <laughs> to get a Mobius on Mobius? To explain <laughs> yeah, that? Exactly. Right? A Mobius on Mobius fight scene? I don't know. Uh, no, if, uh, if anything, uh, the fact that, uh, like you said, the other agent that uh, Ravona mentions leaving the rings like that, I totally believe it's another Mobius. 100%. But I wouldn't be surprised if after you know tearing down the TVA that is, that we don't get the three Mobiuses, because again, in the comics, it's usually a panel of three Mobiuses that that rule over or preside over the TVA, and maybe he rebuilds it to be a more uh, a more functional version of it, where they're not you know pruning willy nilly, but they're dealing with like the the, the worst of the uh, you know timelines, basically. Like I wouldn't be surprised mm. if he complete if he doesn't just completely if he doesn't completely hang up the uh, the TVA. No, I, I think gig. I think he's gonna go there to burn it down, like like he said. But he's going to realize that it can't be burnt down. 
if it burns down then that there's like a whole disorder that happens and maybe he realizes that he could the only people he can trust is himself so he he has other variants of himself come in and you know preside over the tva i don't know like i feel like they need to acknowledge that that reveal of 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 uh the the rings and the other agent that they've you know they've hinted at right? i hope so, so. no no darsh you might know the answer to this uh, certainly better than me um are the the multiverses that we keep hearing about is that the same thing as these alternate timelines uh, i totally think that it is uh yeah. and given the fact that we're getting what what if just after this which is yes. the perfect introduction to the multiversal theory i wouldn't be surprised if we if this the events of loki and the destruction of the tva leads to that multiverse branching off reality that we saw earlier when they that's they, that's they, what they i was getting away. at like they almost need to destroy the tva and that's so that what we, creates the multiverses and opens everything up. I, 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 maybe not necessarily create the multiverse, but more loosen the boundaries between. Allows the it to sort of take. Allows place, it yeah. to more interaction between between realities that we know. And Listen, I mean, I mean, with all these theories and these low key perspectives, what what we're really all just trying to say is, what if, you know, what if? Mm-hmm. And speaking of what if, before we <laughs> wrap up, let's just have a quick chat about that what if trailer i know you guys were amped when it uh when it when it popped online earlier today as of this recording uh kevin i want you to kick us off with your thoughts on what might be an animated show you'll actually watch besides avatar uh no this would this would absolutely this is absolutely going to be something that i'll uh, be tuning in awesome. to with with a lot of excitement because it's such a fun idea yeah and it just gives them a chance to i'm curious to to know how long these episodes are going to be mm. um but uh, yeah i just think it gives them a chance to explore sort of alternate timelines that wouldn't t- fit into the overarching scheme of the movie like it's almost a dual purpose thing where the, it can educate people on what these timelines are and the multiverse really is while also telling some neat little stories i mean if 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 they have Marvel Zombies, which I think they will, uh, that was a mm-hmm. great comic book series that I actually read and really enjoyed. So that'll be fun. That'll be my chance, as Darcy gets so often, to see something I've read come to life on the screen. Very cool. Yeah, no, and I, I, I completely agree with you in that, like, yeah, how cool would it be for them to explore some of those aspects, get audiences even more comfortable with multiverse and, and branching timelines and variants, even after this series? And the only thing I, I got from the trailer, though, from a from a huge point, obviously the animation looks awesome. Uh, it's a very cel shaded look. Um, I was a little bit I was a little bit thrown off by the voice acting. I don't know if if all the voice actors no. are the same. Some of them Doesn't like sound that like Tony Stark. Is. That Tony Stark did not sound like like Robert Downey, Robert Downey yeah. right? So, um, but I will. I do want to just quickly ask, like Darcy, do you think? Because we see throughout the trailer, we see a lot of Doctor Strange, like a lot of moments of him noticing, looking at things, doing things, interacting with different versions of all these different characters. He's probably going to be the traveler. Right. Is he the through point between all these, these multiverses? I I think we might see him as the traveler or uh, potentially even the, the antagonist of the series. Uh, Oh, because Uwato, who we are introduced to, or is voicing the whole uh, trailer. He's known for being a watcher who kind of doesn't follow the rules and will bend things to, help the good guys win the fight after all. So mm. if he notices maybe the first steps so that this Doctor Strange is going down a dangerous path, maybe he uses his powers to kind of nudge the heroes from these alternate realities into 
a place to stop him. If there is an overarching story. I mean, it could also just be some really creative editing where they splice together some scenes there that make it look like they're happening concurrently, but they're completely There's still going to be an anthology series. I mean, yeah. listen, Jeffrey Wright as as Uatu, you said his name yeah. is? Yeah, like, Uatu. Yeah. Oh, what a yeah. great voice to yeah. use. Yeah, like he'll be a great sort of anchor throughout the story as, mm-hmm. our, our, as our narrator, essentially. I think yeah. that's yeah. going to be really, really good. So yeah. good. I'm interested cool. to see uh, Black Panther, Star Lord. That's like going to be so a wicked sick. story. Well, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's the last. Like... It's the last role that he he actually played for Marvel because that's his yeah, voice. So he actually did do the voice for it. Yeah. 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 Chadwick. In that one scene, first off, it looks like he he stayed closer to Yondu than the Star Lord that we know and love already. And second off, he had Taserface and Corvat the Pursuer on his team essentially when they're walking <laughs> down the stairs. So it's just like. <laughs> Those four guys together, just I can't wait to see what team they make up. Yeah, yeah, very cool. I, I did find it interesting that you you mentioned the voice acting, Nate, because mm. um, it, it's often because looking at the cast, it's almost everybody that's played these characters in the movie is is popping up to play them in the show. Right. Um, and I just think it's a case of I think it's really tough for certain actors to do a voice acting gig, especially in a character that they're used to playing in live action. Uh, this is a very Canadian reference here, but. Uh, there's a, a little show called Corner Gas that was really popular up here for for several years. And um, to sort of bring it back years after it ended, they uh, just did a three-season um, animated version of it. Oh, really? And it's all the same um, actors, with exception <laughs> to one who passed away, mm. but they just sound off. Like, they just sound like they, they're, they're playing versions of themselves. And so right. I'm wondering if we're going to get a little bit of that in this show where – they just sound a little bit different than we're used to. And I'm wondering if that maybe is, like, again, you might say it's hard. Like, a lot of Tony Stark is a very physical actor. Like, a lot of it is his cockiness comes through and his, his expression yeah. stuff. He's like method. That. He's very He's method. method. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be it. But it could also, I could also see it maybe saying, maybe do a bit, a bit of a different spin on the character because yeah, play it's a 95% of the character yeah. you're used to yeah, and change go, it just a little. Don't go full hundo, but just bring it back a couple notches. Go back to the cocky Stark type thing if we're talking about uh, sure. Tony Stark there. So, like, I, it would be interesting to see, you know, more than just. The, like the couple seconds each of these characters is talking uh, yeah. to see if that is something that we'll you know be uh, grow adapted to type thing I mean I may have I may have misjudged it too early just because like I mean I'm really going based off the Robert Downey what seems like an impression because he's not cast I'm not seeing him casting yeah, here he's the one he, that might yeah. not actually be but, uh, but playing right? sure, but everyone else sure like Evans literally is, everyone else yeah Chadwick Bat- yeah. Boseman oh, everything. Jeff Goldblum you go down the is list, in there's, there's 50 60 of these actors yeah. returning yeah. 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 And they, they, wow. that's what that when Feige was at Comic Con uh, a few years back and he was pushing the show like he was he announced it uh, yeah. He said that, you know, we're going to get most of the cast back, right? Like, so good. You know, so he implied that that was a big thing. And I think that that's a, a huge through point for fans, right? Like, to, to really want to go and watch it, right? Like, I don't know, if it was all voice actors, like, do you think it wouldn't we, fly? It wouldn't yeah. work. So, I, I'm, so I'm wondering, I'm wondering if this is either like, I don't think it could be 10 episodes. You think? 10 episodes, 30 minutes? It's saying 10 episodes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so 10 episodes, 30 minutes is probably the format it's going to be. I could even see them doing like a 21-minute sort of Well, yeah, that's right. Well. Yeah, like yeah, 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 the traditional 22-minute sort of thing. Yeah, yeah they, and then the rest is credits. Because <laughs> recently, like, he was, he was talking about these projects, and the format that they're going for is either six one-hour episodes, roughly, right, mm. or 10 roughly half hour episodes right wow. i feel like this is where where that could be so which means that the trailer is really only highlighting a few stories 
And it looks like we get Spider-Man. We get a Spider-Man story in there. I saw Spider-Man quickly, or we saw something. Yeah. Very quickly, so. an older Spider-Man, too, so that we yeah. might be getting that uh, Steve Rogers Spider-Man story that they, they alluded to earlier. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Rogers gets, gets bit by a spider. They, they, Dude, yeah, all the stories they have uh, or announced for that, at least, look really cool. And I'm personally really excited to see a Jack Collector fighting, because that's clearly who the Guardians are, or like yeah. uh, Star Wars Guardians are fighting there, is, is the Collector. So... Can't wait to see how that turns out. <laughs> so good. Well, so the show the show has so many possibilities, and even on IMDb, while there aren't episodes listed, there's already a season two um, on the page. You know, suggesting oh. that this is something they could just keep doing, right? Because it doesn't have to fit into any sort of one narrative oh, time sure. spot. Yeah. So they could mm-hmm. do this infinitely, essentially. So it's yeah. really cool. Wow. Well, I cannot wait to see the infinite timelines that they explore in uh, in what if uh, obviously we're gonna have our thoughts even more thoughts on on the what if series uh, in future podcasts so definitely definitely check that out um but guys everyone this is that's it for this episode of watch club went a little bit longer today but you know how could you not with a with an episode like this like what did, you know as loki says what did you expect uh president loki uh before i go into our normal closing statements though darcy did you want to take a moment to plug anything that you want our listeners to check out on their next trip to the void well, I mean, I'm not really much of a presence online, but if you're interested in hearing my voice some more, you can always check out the uh, the Bad Batch Watch Club we have going on on this channel, which uh, I always love talking about Star Wars almost as much as I love talking about Marvel. So very cool. You hear my, my dulcet tones there. Yeah. <laughs> Dope. Well, listen, I'll have to give that podcast a listen. And for our listeners who want to check it out, we'll be sure to drop that link in our show notes as well. <laughs> as well. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this penultimate episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this episode or your last Miss Minutes low-key perspectives uh, and predictions for the Ooh. series before we go into the finale, well, listen, listen. You don't have to get sent to the void, meet up with four other versions of yourself, betray them, fight them, and team up with them to then fight a giant cloud monster ripping a time hole, allowing you to escape to the end of eternity. Instead, Justin, can you let the listeners know uh, where and when they can write into the show? When is now. Now is when. (laughs) And they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Very cool. Also, um, if you don't know, we have more than our, our uh, just our watch club. We also have our regular episodes of the Geek Centric podcast uh, available with you know reviews for Monsters at Work from Disney. We've got as as you know our other Loki um, watch clubs that you can go back and re listen to if you want to hear how wrong we were. Uh, our Star Wars The Bad Batch. We've got our Black Widow spoiler free, and I, I believe our spoiler review uh, as well. So if you if you've watched uh, Black Widow, which absolutely go do. Um, um, you can listen to all of our our wonderful thoughts on all of that Disney Plus and Marvel goodness. Uh, so go give those a listen and a five star rating because you are burdened with glorious purpose. Uh, and uh, that's about it, I think. I mean, we already talked about the other. I was going to mention the other Watch Club series, but we already did that. Uh, so Justin, <laughs> Kevin, Darcy, and Loki, Loki, you so much for Lokiing me for today's Loki stuffed Loki. And as we say, for all time, always. always.